don't have a quiet time all the time. All those things are good, but you have to be in love. I'm stealing this from my good friend Mervis, who always says that. He says, Christian life is impossible if you're not in love. And that thing has gripped my heart over the years because I've, I know that to be true. You know, I can be fervent, I can be zealous, I can, I can try hard, and I am a pretty passionate person, as you've probably noticed, um, and pretty passionate about Jesus and the things of the Lord. And Romans 12 says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's a big ask, like never be lacking in zeal. This, morning, this, this, this evening, when we started dancing again and singing dance songs, I was like, oh Lord, help me. My body is so tired. We've been doing this since Friday night, like giving everything. You know what I mean? But the Bible does say never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. How do you do this? Well, you have to be in love. You have to be in love. You know, this morning I, 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 I had such a, I don't know, just a bit of a revelation of a way to test myself, whether, whether I'm actually doing well in Jesus or not. I mean, you can be in Christ, you can be in the faith, you can still be serving God, but, but are, you, are, you, are you hot, or are you cold, or are you lukewarm? Like, where, where are you at, you know? And, um, and I was reminded of, of uh, Romans 12, which I was also just quoting now, Romans 12, where it says, in view of His mercy... Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. And you look at Romans and the book, I mean, up until chapter 12, the book is full of, firstly, hey, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one righteous, not even one. We've all turned away. We've all been twisted up by sin. We all deserve the wrath of God and death forever. Like that's, the, that's all we deserve. You know, that, that's what you deserve. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Because of sin. But then it talks about this incredible gift of the righteousness of God. Then it talks about being reconciled. You once were an enemy. Now you're a friend of God. You've been reconciled. He died for you while you were still a sinner. And all of this came just by faith, by the work that Christ did, not your works. I mean, he just explains the gospel from chapters 1 to 11, the most powerful way. End of chapter 11, he says, you know, how unsearchable the ways of God. What a mystery beyond tracing out the way that God sovereignly saves and chooses people and brings them to salvation. He is a powerful, amazing God. But then it says in chapter 12, says, now in view of his mercy, in view, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. And I just had such a sense this morning of like, I just want to give, I'm in this place at the moment where I just want to give more to the Lord. I want to give more. I want to give more in worship. I want to give more money. I want to give more of myself. I, I just want, I want to give more of my home. Like, how can I give to you, Jesus? How can I give more to you, Lord? And I thought, man, unfortunately, I'm not always in that place. Unfortunately, there are other times where I've obviously lost view, lost sight of the view of His mercy. And I'm in a place where I'm kind of self-preserving and I'm kind of holding on and I'm kind of protecting myself a little bit and giving, giving still because, hey, I've been a Christian for a long time. So I've learned how to look like a sacrificial Christian. I've learned how to do that. I could probably go for years doing the right thing before someone even noticed. But Jesus notices, and I'll know. I'm just being honest. I haven't, by the grace of God. I really haven't. But I probably could. And I, and I, 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 
I meet lots of Christians who have done that for years. And I felt like tonight, man, God wants to get to that place. He wants you to get to the place of living sacrifice on the altar. I remember MC Sally once speaking a bit and, or teaching on, on this scripture. And she said, you know, the, the human skin has got layers of nerves. And if you burn yourself really deep, you burn right through those layers. And it doesn't even hurt anymore because there's no nerves down there. I'm not actually a doctor, so I hope this is true. <laughs> um, but she says most Christians don't stay on the altar long enough. They jump off because it's sore and the nerves and it's burning. And it's like, oh, Lord, I'm offering myself. But now it's, I, I think that's enough. I'm getting off the altar. But they haven't got to the place where actually it's burnt right through. It doesn't actually hurt anymore. Now it's just the way that they live. And it's the joy now of serving God, the joy of pouring yourself out. You know, Paul gets to the end of his life and he sums up his life like this. He says, I have been poured out as a drink offering. I've been poured out as a drink offering. And it's, that thing hit me this week in preparing for this week. Preached on it on Thursday morning here with all the elders. Just that thing of like, by the end of my life, am I aiming at being able to say, I have been poured out as a drink offering? And the drink offering was the, was the last thing that you would do when you made a sacrifice. And the Bible talks about the different amounts of wine that would be poured out on the sacrifice at the end of the sacrifice. It was like the way of saying, this sacrifice is complete. And it pours out the drink offering. It's a way of saying, you know, this wine could be for me, and it's delicious, and it's nice, and we've worked hard for it, but I'm pouring it out before the Lord. Like David, when those mighty men fought through and got Bethlehem, the well at Bethlehem and got water for him because he was thirsty and they, and, and they came back risking their lives, bringing him the water and he pours it out before the Lord. He goes like, no one but God is worthy of this kind of life of sacrifice and devotion and he pours it out before the Lord. And Paul says like, that's the summary of my life. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've been in this thing and I've poured myself out. And, and I just, I've been looking at that lately and just going, because I've served Jesus now in a full-time capacity for almost 20 years. You know, I mean, we're all full-time, but you know what I mean? Like, like really just, you know, all of my life is taken up trying to serve Jesus and plant churches and, and preach and do all, all these things that we're called to do. But, and I look at it and I go, wow, I've, I've probably still got quite a few years left. And I just want to get to the end and be able to go out poured out. Guys like Will Murray, who planted this church and built this building, who many of you know and love, Juliet's dad. Where's Juliet? She's here somewhere. There she is. He got to the end of his life and he had poured out. And I, I've looked at his example and, and I, I say to people, you know what? His memorial service was probably the most powerful meeting of any kind that I've ever been to in my life. Because I looked and I saw a man who poured himself out. Not poured himself out just by preaching, just by building buildings and planting churches. I mean, that was amazing. But poured himself out for individuals again and again. People got up. They didn't say, oh, Will's preached this and he said this. And I mean, he, they could have. But they got up and they said, he loved me. He poured into me. He consistently loved me for years. His kids and friends, and, and that was everyone's testimony, is this guy has poured himself out for others, poured himself out for Jesus. And I remember just sitting there going, like, with everything in me, I want to aim at being like that one day. 
So, to be like that, I've got to be in love. You know, to be married, just by the way, you've got to be in love. You can't do marriage without being in love. I'm not talking about the, the feelings necessarily, the, those, those feelings of being in love. I mean, those things should be there a lot of the time. It's great when they are. It's wonderful. I'm talking about like I'm so deeply devoted and so deeply dependent on my wife. Not in a weird codependent way like you complete me. No, Jesus completes me. But, but I do. I love you and I need you and I receive your help and you receive mine and we depend on each other and we're in love with each other. And we want to do everything together and we want to be a team. And if you're going to live out proper marriage, you need to be absolutely in love. Even more so, if you want to be a Christian, you need to be in love. And so, um, wow. And so Revelation 2, let's maybe just read a scripture here, which is very applicable. Verse One, it says, write this in the letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in the right hand and the one who walks among the golden lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. Just hold on. You have patiently suffered. So they, they've, they've patiently suffered, they've done a lot, they've worked hard, they've got good doctrine, they've gotten rid of false doctrine. I mean, they are, they're doing well. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. They, they've even been persecuted. I mean, this is a church which the Ephesian church you would look at and go, surely this is a, a model church. But then Jesus says this, because this is Jesus talking to the Ephesian church. Jesus writing a letter to them. He says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Uh, is that all I did? And then it says, um, look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from, among, from its place among the churches. Jesus is walking among the churches. He's walking among the lampstands. He loves his church. But he wants his church to be, to be burning bright, full of, of light. And he says, if you don't love me and people like you did at first, you can do all the good stuff. Have great doctrine. Chuck out the false teachers. You can do all of that. But I'm literally going to take your lampstand away. You are no longer my church. I'm going to snuff it out, switch it off. Take it away. I, I don't know. Basically, what I think that means is you will no longer actually be a church. Maybe you carry on meeting. Maybe you carry on going through the motions. Maybe you carry on working hard and doing some good things, but you're not actually my lampstand anymore. You're not my shining light to this world anymore. You know, our church is called City on a Hill, and um, I didn't wasn't there when it was named, but it, it came out of prophetic words and and, um, and we came to the church and took over the church about three and a half years ago. It took over leadership, you know what I'm saying. It's Jesus' church, not ours, but we led. And, um, and one day, God just showed me something so beautiful about a city on a hill. Because he said, you know, this is a city on a hill 2,000 years ago. So today, if you want light to shine, what do we want to do? We want 
like low energy light bulbs that produce the most light. You know what I mean? You want, you want like LED lights. You want something that's very environmentally friendly in that sense, like as little reliance on ESCOM as possible. You know what I mean? That's, that's what we're aiming at. And that produces the most light. Um, but the cities in those days, they didn't do that. Light came from fire. Light came from burning oil or burning fuel for the fire. Light came from, also there would be a lot of heat attached to light. And high energy attached to it. And then it would shine. And there was such a sense of God going, you know what? You need to be burning on fire with the oil of the Holy Spirit to be a light. Like that's the only way. It's the only way. And tonight, this is, this is really all I'm going for. Is, is just say, And I believe Jesus is going for. Is he saying, guys, well done. I think you know how to do church. Probably. I mean, we always drift from values. We always need to come back to, Lord, what are your values? How do you want us to live as a church? I think generally we've looked at the New Testament hard. We've seen how, how the New Testament church looks. And yet, if we're honest, a lot of the time it's like, I don't think I'm really living like Paul, even though I was supposed to. I don't know if my life has actually been poured out. I don't know if people would describe me as a living sacrifice. You know, when worship starts, it's kind of like, whew, okay, I'll give a little bit. Just enough so that people don't come and check on my salvation or something. You know, come to me. I'm worried about your salvation and stuff. Have you been baptized? You know, like just enough so that people don't come question me. Sorry, that's my Nacho Libre little, um, you got to do that when you're in Josh Jen in 412. Um, you know, get through this, keep going. Or are you burning? Never lacking in, in zeal and spiritual fervor as you serve the Lord. You can serve the Lord, but without that burning. You can go through the motions in marriage, but without that, yes, I love you. I love you. Yeah, you're amazing. You're my wife. I, 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 I want to be with you. There's nothing between us. We love one another, you know? And Jesus wants this for us, man. There's so many scriptures I could use. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm almost done because I actually want us to put this into practice and to receive what we need from the Lord, man. Hmm. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to the, those that He, to His loved ones. Like, we need the presence of God. We need to be dependent on Him. We need Him to be building the house. We need people to walk in here and encounter Jesus. Not a, not a, a well-formed service, but without power. In those last days, they will have form, but they won't have power, Paul says and prophesies. 
We need the presence of God. We need a people that are burning cities on a hill because the Holy Spirit is there and we're encountering Him and we love Him. And, and, and yes, we're going to go out of here and work hard and open up our homes and die to self again and again in so many ways and pour our lives out for people. But we're going to do it because He's pouring into us and we're receiving from Him and we're dependent on Him. Uh, what I'm getting at is there's a huge link between devotion and dependence. There's a huge link between I'm receiving your mercy, I'm seeing your mercy, and now I am pouring myself out as a living sacrifice. I'm receiving your love, and now I'm pouring myself out in love. John 6 says, The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken are spirit and life. We need the words of Jesus. We need spirit and life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. I'm like, God, would you, you know, that should be a prayer. Lord, strip human effort out of your church. I'm not saying we don't work hard. We work hard, but we work hard in the power of the Spirit, dependent on Him, in love with Him. The Bible says if the stuff that's not done in love is worth nothing. Whatever's not done in love for Jesus and for people is literally just a clanging gong. Ding, ding, ding. Like you're doing something amazing. You're giving all you have into the, into the tithe box as it goes around. You're selling factories and giving the money to the church, you know. You're visiting the people that are struggling and bringing meals to them and supporting them. Like you're, you're doing the stuff because you've learned how to do the stuff like the Ephesian Christians. And then 1 Corinthians 13 tells you, well, if you're not doing it with love, love for Jesus and love for people, it's just this clanging gong, like dang, dang. And, and maybe that's a bit of a word for those who have been Christians for a while. And I'm just saying, guys, if you've been a Christian for a while, don't leave tonight without your heart burning in love with Jesus. Realizing that he's in love with you. That's the craziest part. Come on. And your heart responds to that. Can you believe it? Don't say, don't say the Lord's forgotten me and I've moved on from this. Don't say that, the Bible says. Hey, in Isaiah, when the people are going, well, we've been forgotten by God in Babylon, disciplined by the Lord, Isaiah says, don't say that. How can a mother forget her nursing child at her breast? That's it's like impossible. That's the craziest thought that a mother would forget who her child, oh, wow, look at you. Who are you? You know, that would be weird, actually. But he says, even if a mother were to forget, the Lord will not forget you. Why? Because he's written your name on the palm of his hand. <laughs> he's tied with you in mind and given everything because he loves you. So don't say the Lord's forsaken me. Don't say the Lord's forgotten me. Don't say once when I was younger, I served Jesus like this and then I was on fire because he was passionately in love with me and it was so wonderful back then. Don't say that. Maybe now it's just because, hey, we've learned how to drink from, from our own cisterns that we've, you know, carved out and poured water in and, and then we've become dependent on other things and God's going, no, be dependent on me. I'm the fountain of living water that never runs dry. Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me, man. I'll end with these two. These are the pictures I had um, or the, the stories from Jesus. Oh, maybe we can move that just now. Um. 
I'm going to transition to that microphone. Because I'd love us to, to worship in a moment. But, um, yeah, the woman with the issue of blood. Hey? I mean, we've heard the story a thousand times. Everyone uses this to stir us up to push through the crowd and touch him. But don't, the, here's the point that I felt out of that story. This woman, she's unclean for years, 12 years. She's been searching out to try and be clean enough so that she can just be in society. Because for the Jews, if you're bleeding like that, you're unclean and you're, you're not accepted. But she's heard that Jesus is different and he has grace. And he has mercy and he is able to heal and restore. And and because she's heard this, she pushes through the crowd. She finds him. She touches him. In the moment she touches him, she is 100% made clean, made whole. Because she's dependent on her Savior. And she's all scared when Jesus points her out. But Jesus says, this is faith. This is a model of faith. Your faith has healed you so that for generations to come, we would know what it looks like to have faith. Faith is all about dependence. Yes, devotion, but first of all, dependence. I need you. And now I will be devoted to you because there is no other source. And it's all crystal clear because in your presence, I realize you're the only one who makes clean and heals. And the other one is that sinful woman in Luke 8 who breaks into the, 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 the supper, dinner party that Jesus is having with this Pharisee and all these religious leaders are talking to him and, and she just breaks into that and weeps at his feet and pours out expensive perfume onto his feet and wipes it with her hair. And it just, I just had that sense of like, would you be willing to at any moment break out of the norm, the normal religious setting, and pour yourself out on Jesus? Why? Because you've heard that with him there's forgiveness. Therefore, he is feared. You've heard with him he forgives sins. And those who are forgiven much will love much. That's the point of this story. When the Pharisees get all frustrated, like, why would, if you knew this woman was, you wouldn't let her touch you, you know? And Jesus is like, let me just tell you, she knows she has been forgiven much. And then, I love it, the Bible actually describes Jesus uh, in Luke 8. It gives such a great little description of, of Jesus here. Um, Oh, sorry, it's Luke 7. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And I've got that like seriously underlined in my Bible because I'm just like, what a great description of Jesus. He's this man that goes around forgiving sins. <laughs> and the point is, hey, we're all the sinful woman. We might think like we're a Pharisee and we don't need to be forgiven much. Actually, if we realized, we're all the sinful ones. We all need mercy. And in view of his mercy, 
man, we can offer our lives as living sacrifices. Could we just close our eyes and, and we're going to worship our God in a moment. And, and when we start, you're welcome to just find a space wherever. I've discussed this with Basil before the time that we're going to worship a bit, so that's cool. And if you guys as elders want to break in at any moment, you can. But, but we're going to just respond to Jesus. And make sure that we're cities on a hill, not with a whole lot of light and no energy, no burning, no Holy Spirit, no oil, but we're cities on a hill that are burning, that are filled with the Spirit. But just before we do, just with your eyes closed, Jesus is so merciful. He's always working to restore people to himself. He's always working to bring reconciliation. He's always looking for those lost sons that have been estranged for their parents. And though it may take years sometimes, he will find them. And he will bring them back, not just to their parents, but to him as the eternal father. And I just, I've got this sense that there may be some lost sons and daughters this, this evening in this place. You've been wandering around. You, if you had to describe yourself, you would go, I know about Christianity and I know about Jesus, but I feel a little bit lost. And I just feel like Jesus is going, I'm, I, I'm here to restore you to me. Just don't care about the, the, the religious setting that this meeting, it might feel a bit uncomfortable. Don't care about that like that woman. Don't care about that. Just care about getting to Jesus because with him there is full forgiveness. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. It's washed away as far as the east is from the west. That is our God. That's what he longs to do. That's what he sent his son to do. And he longs for his son to not have died in vain. He longs for your life as well, your heart as well. He's ready to forgive. If you're ready to put your faith in him, if you're ready just to believe in him, if you're ready to turn away from, from sin and from trying to lead yourself and do it yourself and get through life yourself and find your own comforts and your own kind of ways of being, you know, things that you can be dependent on to get you through life. If you're willing to turn away from all that and go, Jesus, I'm dependent on you. I need you and I need you to forgive me and lead me. He died for that, man. He gave his life for that. And so if that's you and you need to come back to him tonight, if you need to come back to him, I just want to, just while our eyes are closed, we're going we're gonna to worship in a moment. But just before we do, is there anyone that needs to be reconciled to Jesus, reconciled to your father tonight? Would you just, as a way of responding to him and just so I know who to pray for in a moment, would you just lift your hand high, wave it at me and put it down again? Is there anyone like that? Thank you says, I need to be just restored to God. Wonderful, that lady. Is there anyone else? Just lift your hand, man. God is, he's always going after the ones who are lost. Yeah, well done, man. Come on. Come on. Love him. He, he loves you. Is there anyone else? One more time, I'll ask, and then we can just pray. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. 
Yeah, thank you, Lord. Maybe one or two people sitting around that mother and, and son over there. Just go to them and we just pray for them for a moment. Just say, Jesus, I give you my heart. I love you, Lord. Forgive my sin in Jesus' name for the rest of us. That's beautiful, hey? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.